Yeah, yeah it's half past. Let's kick off. So um, I'll start off with a quick intro. So welcome to the first uh, HQ in 22 uh, session, uh, hopefully the first of many. Uh, as per James's comments in the uh, minor sit rep this week, we're trying to move from very occasional, very large updates into a series of smaller, more regular updates, um, and also connected to this also provide a, a better means of uh, feedback for uh, the unit to feed questions and comments back up to uh, command. Um, we're aiming to provide a, this is a regular schedule of short events. You can ask topical questions of James and sometimes the other uh, senior staff. Uh, we're aiming to hold this at least monthly, but they could be more or less often depending on uh, things that are going on, the volume of questions or any major events that are, are happening. Um, usually they're going to be a general question and answer session but again occasionally if there's something significant going on we might have a, a session dedicated to one particular uh, topic. Uh, we're going to try obviously this is the first one we're going to try to start um, being fairly well controlled so we've got a, a strict time limit and uh, we, we don't want to get caught up in uh, any one question uh, for too long. So it may be the case that we have to revisit uh, some of these questions either in a subsequent week or it may be the case that James and the COC uh, come back and uh, provide an answer offline uh, via J2. Uh, we're going to prioritise any questions uh, asked via the slash ask function. Uh, so if you uh, if you want to get your questions in nice and early, that helps. We can group certain things together. We can uh, spot uh, trending uh, topics. If we have any time at the end uh, of the kind of scheduled questions, uh, we'll accept some questions from the floor if there are already. Uh, if we don't get that opportunity, then please do um, post your your follow-up question via slash ask and we'll try and uh, get it included in the next uh, the next session uh, as you've seen craig's here to record the session and uh, j2 will try and provide a, a a brief summary of the the points discussed not in uh, too in depth but if you want if you're not able to make one of these sessions you'll be able to scan the uh, the summary and if you want any further details and obviously you can listen to recording and uh, hear it all verbatim uh, I think that's all we had um, I didn't think to say is it's a working progress as James said this is the first time uh, we might uh, uh, tweak things as we go along we'll learn some lessons along the way so bear with us uh, anyway now uh, over to you James thank you very much um Feel free to use general chat as well. There's not a thread this time around, so you're welcome to have at it um, in there as well. Um, I won't speak for long, uh, which is unusual for me because we'll leave as much time for questions as possible. We've had, had some in uh, through the for slash ask function, but it'd be great to get some more. Um, but I'll just cover some of the stuff that were in my, was in my updates and just reflect on some stuff since we at least last did a TAFCast. Um, so... I mean, really, the interesting thing about this time period right now is we're pretty much hitting four years now since, uh, you know, UNITAF was conceived. Um, officially, that will be in March, but but UNITAF started probably five or so months before we officially launched. Um, anyway, so it's, it's a good point of reflection. Um, and our thousandth deployment, our 600th inductee, uh, 70,000 hours, there's quite a few milestones that you know, have been hit or will be hit over the course of this winter. Um, and this year really has been been an, an interesting one, as I've talked about on previous Tafcast, but but plenty of change 
changing both people and in time, time that people have available um, when compared to year one, year two, year three. And uh, what's been quite interesting reflecting on this year is that we've managed to hold, I think, for the most part, the standards that we set, um, even with all that happening. So different people, newer people, um, and lots of change this year as well, which has been quite interesting. Um, and, you know, as I said in the, the update this week, we're still at our largest rostered size, and it's pretty nominal in that respect. Um, so the fact that that's managed to be held at where it is is, is something that we're quite proud of. Um, but there's lots of quality of life stuff that we've done. Uh, a lot of the big updates we talked about, maybe on the roadmap, as I mentioned in the update, we've, we've not done this year. And a lot of that goes down to that resourcing thing that I talked about, people having less time. And so where we've focused efforts is on quality of life. Um, and so lots of little things that for some of you listening, you know, maybe don't have any impact at all, but for the administration, for the guys in the background, a lot of these little updates are focused on them. So, but but some noticeable ones that, that uh, are sort of well overdue, like the ability to save your after action reports, come back to them. These are sort of the sort of things I'm talking about that, they're not huge, but they have a, a little bit of impact and a little bit of an effect. The Opal Assistant that we brought out this week, um, maybe a little bit under the radar as well, but self-induction. So when you all joined, you would have done an induction of a person. And as probably inhuman as it is, that's now a completely automated process, which you can check out yourself if you want to on the updates log. Let us know what you think. But the initial feedback has been quite good. And there may be other areas where we can explore that as well. Um, the sort of FTX slots changes in the quartermaster system are sort of other examples of like quite under the radar changes, but things that have helped massively save time and, and improve things. Um, and then the big, the big four, as I, as I mentioned, the update, hopefully you've had a chance to read that uh, yesterday, the approvals, lesson plans, PCS, and I guess RCS uh, in a way, and the, and the tiers update. They're the ones we're focusing on now, and I try to detail out as best I can what's happening with the tier system and talking about tier decay. And these are the sort of topics that I suspect we'll get the most questions on. And I'm happy to, to dive into those with the limited time we've got today. If you've got any burning questions about those, probably specifically around tiers and PCFs, I imagine where most of them will come. But as I mentioned yesterday, right around the corner, lesson plans. So that sort of public database of all the FTXs that we have. And I think our key here is unlocking the list of instructors. So if you're experienced in a topic, you can get one of those LPs off the shelf, get approved to instruct it, and then we can sort of unlock the bottleneck of FTXs by allowing people to to instruct them. And I think that's going to make a big difference going into next year as well. Um, you'll probably know we've got CSIP leadership, CSIP medical running, tests for both of those on, on the schedule at the moment. Um, it'll be interesting to see the out, outcome of those. But but ultimately, over the course of this year, really since January, there's a massive amount of effort from a much wider range of people than uh, than in previous years. And, and that's always good to see. Uh, a lot of people have changed positions. It's a completely different chain of command to, to what it was 12 months ago. And you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think our ability to, to continue and to... to replace people and bring new people in has is, is always been a strength and so there should be some interesting updates over December January and uh, we've talked about some of them but if you've got questions about any of those now is the time because uh, that's my four minutes up um, so hopefully you know how to ask questions hopefully we've got some questions and uh, if we don't get to any of them as CGM said we'll 
come back and uh, do another session to tackle anything that we, we don't get an opportunity to touch on in the next 15 minutes or so. All right. Thanks, James. Um, so yeah, I'll ask some questions uh, or I'll be asking questions that we've received um, and then James will answer them. We'll try and keep these short and sweet. Um, so the first one that I have on the list, just sort of we have ordered the ones that we'd already received, um, but I think you've answered. So the induction is completely hands off basically until the FTX now. Uh, yes, pretty much. So when you join um, now and you submit your application, you're presented with like uh, five videos, which it forces you to watch, uh, which doesn't sound very exciting, but some of them have found it incredibly useful. And essentially, it is the hour long, 45 minute long induction that you would have done when you joined. But it's sort of doing it in your own time in 10 minute segments, basically. And then you can go you can go back and visit them. Uh, it's a publicly accessible link. So if you if you want to check it out yourselves, you can. Um, if you want to refresh on it or you're just curious, it's always good to get feedback. Um, we get something like 40 to 50 applications a month, right? So weeding out those uh, to the people that are actually going to end up joining in the long run is a really important part of what J1 does. And uh, I calculated that it's probably like 300 man hours. We've inducted 600 people in the last four years. So that's about 300, 250 man hours. So it's a big, big part of the administration. Uh, overhead so neutralizing that through automation so long as it doesn't affect the end applicant um quality is is going to be a big bonus all right um so moving down to the approval system um how much faster do you see things like csips and sop changes becoming possible now um and you know is authorization going to be pushed out to certain people or you know how widespread is something like being able to push an SOP change going to be? Um trying to give a straight answer to this one. Um I, the thing with SOP changes is there's two parts to it. There's so if you if any of you want to change a SOP, so say you you read one of our SOPs and you go, oh, that's crap, uh, I don't like it. I could do a better one. I think I've got an idea for how we can make this better. You can submit a request to change it, which is called NATA. And so there's two levels of, of approval. We approve the principle of the change. So you might say, uh, our medical this part of the medical SOP is not right. I'm going to ask to change this part of the medical SOP. So that's the first stage. We say whether we agree with the, the fundamental purpose of the change. And then the second part is you draft or somebody drafts that change. And then we're approving the actual purpose, so the actual written words of the change. Um, on both cases, we've we launched a system to allow people to do that without actually really thinking about how we would approve them. And we ended up with not hundreds, but you know, 50 odd requests and no real system in place to manage it, which we now have one. Um, and so the backlog is mostly gone now. So if you're sitting on stuff and thinking you're waiting for us to do it, it then it might be a miscommunication best to get in touch and let us know. But the J6 guys are doing a great job of going through that. And there's something in the region of 55 stop change requests in progress being written at various different stages i would like to think that we will reduce it significantly and the biggest change we've made if i've got another 10 seconds or so is the updates uh thing in the comments that you've seen recently it may be frustrating seeing so many different updates but the idea here is that we're not waiting for big updates to line up all the stop changes if a stop is ready to go we can publish it and that's going to have the biggest difference to um, to the speed in which things can be rolled out. Um, 
Thanks, James. Um, possibly tied into that, um, we've got a couple questions around CAT Medical. Um, so what's the status on testing? And is that sort of, is, is that something that's going to definitely be coming in? Or is it something that's, um, or is it something that's still being considered? CAT Medical is an interesting one, because that was a suggestion from maybe it was someone in this channel, I don't know. Um, someone did a forward slash suggest for that, um, and then a group of people asked us, you know, we'd really like to see it happen. What what do we need to do? And um, we basically said, look, you, you know, work towards implement it and then make a proposal. And uh, I have no literally no involvement in that that CSIP. There's a, a, t a team of people that have been working on it, and um, they they're putting the proposal together. And at the stage of the CAT CSIP at the moment is that they have a test all about, which you may have seen went up uh, and it's on Monday. And I think that will be the third mission that runs CAT Medical. So it's an approved mod, but it's approved only for CSIP all bats. So it's not like a, it's a mission you should be able to sign up for, but it's kind of restricted to corporals and above. And then if you're, um, if it doesn't fill, for example, you can request to go on it. So I would say they're probably, I'm not on the CSIP, but I would say they're, would probably say they're nearing the end of their testing and I think they're probably going to have a final proposal to put to us probably by January um, and then it will be down to us to consider the implications of it and uh, I, I don't know the answer I've never used it myself I'm, I'm, all I know is it's slightly more complicated medical um, and uh, from what I've learned the rifleman perspective doesn't change much the most of the, of the core changes in complexity come at the medic level so it may be a question not for me, but but someone on the CSIP. But obviously, we're still considering it, or the test wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be planned and underway. All right. Okay. So moving down to lesson plans again, I think you have answered this one, which is you know, uh, will non-CSC be able to instruct um, with the new LP plans? Um, how big a change is this really? Well, of course, I'm going to say it's a massive change. It's really exciting. Um, and hopefully everyone feels the same way when they see it. Um, and we may not call it lesson plans, by the way. I've been mulling that over, but it's actually quite a fundamental change. And if you've been to any FTX this year, it would have been written down as a lesson plan. It's something that Baker brought in because that is something he does professionally. Um, what you're going to see is a difference is every FTX you go to from, say, January when the system is implemented, you'll be able to physically see on that practice exactly what you're going to be doing for the whole duration of that FTX. So if you And it will also tell you if you've been to that FTX before. So you're essentially signing up for an FTX which is based on a plan. And so each combat area will have a list of approved plans. Um, and so essentially, if you're experienced in that area, um, you could go to that directory and say, I'm going to run an FTX with this lesson plan. And so long as J6 have approved you as an instructor, there'll be two types of approval, instructor and lead instructor. Um, then it should not require a member of the OCC to be there. It should, I would have thought, massively unblock the um, amount of practices that can, can be done, but still improve the quality of them because we can group um, after practice reports by lesson plan and and, and then version the lesson plan based off the feedback. All right. So coming up onto one where we've got a whole bunch of questions. So where is so, and that's the 
re-tiering stuff. Um, does the re-tiering proposal mean that most people are going to be dropping down um, when it's implemented? So if you're currently T T3, are they going to end up as T2? Um, the simple answer is I don't know. Um, but the honest answer is probably um, because the whole purpose of the re-tiering is that um, it, it can't go on forever because the, the system simply doesn't work. I think it, what I tried to get across in that update is that the logic that we're approaching this from is that I, for example, uh, me and Squido are the oldest people in Unitas now and, and practices that I literally did in 2019 still count towards my experience and the shop that those practices were based on has changed probably two or three times since then. And that might not be a case, a problem for me, for example, but there are other people that, you know, haven't been to the new FTXs and therefore aren't adapting to the newer SOP. And what we have to try and do is make sure our system represents that. And originally that plan was RCS. And now that plan is, look, people understand the tier system. So let's just tweak that before we do anything drastic. And um, look, yes is the answer to the original question, but I think the supplementary answer is that what you think of a tier as is probably going to change as well. So unless you think of it in that context, then um, it's not a really like-for-like -like comparison. But that's why I put a massive caveat on that update, because we want to share with you what's in progress. But at the same time, um, take it with a pinch of salt, because we'll give you plenty of notice uh, when we know the answer. Um, another question on that is how, if you've got existing tiers and with some of these some of these combat areas being split out, so for example, mission support or combat support, um, is the plan that if you have a certain number of hours that you get the same number of hours in each of those new sub areas or are they going to be halved into both or is there a plan for that yet? Good question. Um, it's actually something we've done already so because of the way it's been coded um if you if you have 10 hours as a medic if we move the medic role to a different combat area it will automatically reshift the hours so that's kind of already quite an easy process um so the answer to your question is yes it'll be redistributed the biggest example of that is combat support if you read my recent update there's like four different disciplines in combat support at the moment so you could go to an ftx which is about being a mortarman get combat support hours and then deploy as an EOD. It doesn't quite make logical sense. And that was kind of the point I was trying to get across in my update. Um, so for example, we would split that. So if you went to a Mortem and FTX, we would award that to the fire support, the new fire support tier, and, and therefore you would lose it from the combat support thing, but it would still be more accurate than the current system. Um, the only slight complication, which is getting into a little bit too much detail, is something like support engineer which it would be very difficult for us to retrospectively look back at all combat deployments as support engineer because it's, such, it's a role that's used in a, a broad uh, spectrum of, of uh, capacities, and that's not something I have an answer for just now, but we are aware of that as an issue. All right. Uh, let me see what else we have. I think those were the main ones that we had out of that update. Um, we've got a few others here. Um, what's the status on reforger operations? No real movement on that front. Um, I'm sort of relying on people that know better than I do what status of it is. Um, you know, I'm quite open to, to trying it. We've built uh, support into the website for multi-platforming, not not necessarily to the level of integration that we have with um, the Unitaf framework, but but so that it's possible. 
Um, so whenever people feel that it's good to go, we're we're ready to to try it. And I think early adoption is key. But based on BIS's announcement of the date of the extension of early access and things like that, it doesn't look like Armour Four is going to be anywhere near their original plan. But um, we, we you know we're open to it, and we should focus on that as well because that is ultimately the future. Um, is there any update on Unimeet? Um, no, we, we were planning a meet. I think it was July last year. Um, I, I know meets have taken place. I mean, there's plenty of people in years after have uh, met up. But in terms of doing something official, um, I would have thought, again, if we're going to do it, we would look to the summer. Um, and so, yeah, watch the space. We'll, we'll see what we can come up with next year. Uh, we've had a couple questions come in now on the tier, um, on sort of tier decay type thing. Um, the first one is how will J6 ensure there'll be enough FTXs to let people keep or increase tier? Um, and yeah, as a follow up or as an additional question, as you know, some elaboration on how that would function, uh, tier decay in general. Yeah, good questions. Um, I get the concern about lack of FTXs because that's a current issue and. What I'm hoping is that um, the lesson plans update will go a long way to solving that. What we'll probably see is more frequent but smaller FTXs. So maybe we'll lower the cap of how big an FTX can be if it's led by a non-org COC or whatever. So you might see these like groups of four or five people that are going with you know a specialist or a PFC who's rated to to, to lead that lesson plan. Um, so there'll be a lot more frequent, maybe shorter. Um, but also remember that part of my update was to say that currently every tier in every area has the same requirements. So tier three in combat, oh, sorry, good core infantry has the exact same hours requirement as tier three in fixed wing aircrew. And what we're saying is that if we're going to change the tiers, they're going to be dynamic. So we'll base that off of what we feel is right for each of those combat areas. So it may be that the actual requirements are much lower than they currently are. Um, to reflect for the fact that we're not basing it on a four-year span now, which is what the current data is based on, but we're basing it on a an 18-month cycle, maybe. Um, so I'll be clear that we haven't fully decided on that, but um, that's also why I put that update out, because that's probably one of the most contentious points, and the feedback that we get from you guys is part of that decision-making process. All right. Um, we are running low on time, so we'll do one last question. Um, can Scotty get a channel oorah for turning 15 last Saturday? <laughs> well, everyone's muted, so this could Oorah. be Oorah. happy birthday, Scotty. Oorah. Yeah, come on, okay. let's, 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 let's have an actual channel oorah that we can close. Come on, mute yourselves. Look out of three. Oorah. Three, uh, two, one. Oorah. 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 <laughs>